Have you ever struggled with anxiety, depression, or maybe even PTSD? The sad truth is that our world is more riddled now than ever with mental health challenges increasing year after year. I mean, just look at what has happened to the rise in rates of anxiety and depression over the last three years with what the world has gone through. So why are we struggling now more than ever as human beings when technically we have amazing advancements in science and in medicine? Why are we still struggling with sometimes life-threatening illnesses and diseases of the mind? And is there a way for us to support our mental health before actually getting into a dark place? And that is exactly what we're talking about today with our very special guest on the podcast, Keem Shooter, is here to share a deep dive conversation around mental health support and the possibility of ketamine-assisted therapy as a tool to support in our mental health and healing journey. Now, before I play this episode for all of you, I want to introduce you to Keem. He is the founder of Chi Integrated Health here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And as a natural born healer, sensing and feeling energy on much deeper level than most, Keem has been on a lifelong journey to tap into the deep healing powers of the body and the mind. And after completing his education in Chinese medicine, he was inspired to create a space to actually bring together various modalities and healers to support human health in a more holistic way. And this is when he created Qi Integrated Health here in Vancouver. Imagine that there is a memory rooted much deeper than science even tells us, one that reaches deeper into our connectedness to nature that you have been able to access and one that psychedelics seem to offer an avenue to. However, there may be something more profound in you that connects you not to who you are or where you came from, but to who you really are and where you really came from. That, I believe, says Keem, can be defined as love. In the business's scope of Qi Integrated Health, they, we define this as a state of health, joy, vigor, vibrancy, connectedness, and to inspire others the belief that challenges are not barriers, rather they are lessons in the foundation of your healing work. Keem says, I hope to inspire others to continually pursue a state of good health with greater love and through new levels of consciousness, not merely in the absence of illness, injury, or trauma, but instead because of it. The radical acceptance of our traumas, of our challenges, paired with a deeper knowing that we can overcome them if we are willing to persevere and integrate new modalities is the key to real success and true well-being. Such powerful words. And I wanted to share those all with you as an introduction to Keem and the work that he and his team are doing at Chi Integrated Health in Vancouver. We have such a powerful conversation, and as you'll hear once we start chatting, I had the honor of meeting Keem and many of his team members at a recent conference here in Vancouver, and it was such an eye-opening connection and conversations that we, we had that I knew I just had to bring him on the podcast. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play that episode for you now. Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. 
Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I am so excited for today's episode, and guest, Keem Shooter, is here in the studio with us. Welcome, Keem. Oh, thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited that you took the time. I know you're a very busy man. You're doing a lot of incredible work. And um, for those uh, who want to know a little bit of the backstory, I had the pleasure of meeting Keem in person at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference here in Vancouver um, in November. And I knew right away that the work that he was doing and um, you know everything that he was standing for was something I wanted to bring on the podcast. And we're going to have a great conversation today. And we're going to kind of see where this goes. But I think a great place to start, Keem, uh, is to, you know, as short and quick as you can, because I know we all have really long stories, but I think it's a nice place to start for my audience just to hear a little bit about your backstory. You know, what is it that really inspired you to get into what we'll call, you know, in general, the world of holistic health and obviously, you know, creating chi integrative health and, and everything that you're doing. So what, what's your, what's your story? Okay. Um, let me see how I can do that quickly. I know it's always a hard <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I founded uh, my my um, organization is called Chi Integrated Health, and I founded that in two thousand and six. And really, my uh, goal at that time was I was coming out of school in traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and it's I mean, especially where where we are in in Vancouver. Um, at that time, acupuncture was pretty kind of on the fringe and it existed in, you know, little back alleyways and basements and it, it, it's, whereas now you ask somebody, Hey, have, you know, have you heard of acupuncture? And they're like, Oh, I have one that helps me with this. And another that helps me with that. At that time, it was a very, very different. And, and I, I really saw the opportunity to create spaces, um, for, for that medicine to be more on the forefront. Um, and, uh, and so I started, I started a clinic, uh, created a beautiful space and put together an integrated team. Um, really for me, integration most often, um, from what I've seen exists sort of as this rent share model. Um, and, and in that model, there can be competition between different practitioners and, um, and that was not at all what I was after in integration. What I'm after in integration is where the patient's in the middle um, and practitioners are communicating and supporting that patient from different perspectives. And that takes, uh, that takes a knowing on the team's part. So um, we have a few different spaces within, within our clinic and that, I, that are almost processes um, by design. Um, one of them is called our real-time integration space and practitioners um, meet and learn about each other's um, confidence or competence in um, what they're doing. And, and that really helps with that uh, cross referral. Um, and so really for me, that's what got me, got me into this um, working in this. I mean, I, my, I, my personal story is I had an injury snowboarding when I was 19, I was referred to an acupuncturist um, and it blew my mind how quickly I was able to recover from that. Um, and then sort of fast forwarding to my getting into looking at uh, using psychedelics as a medicine, 
Um, I, I had, I had a, a, a family member that, um, that didn't survive mental illness and, um, and that really, and this was in 2014 and I had been working for, you know, eight years primarily with the physical body. Um, and, and that really opened my eyes as to there's, there's more to this. And I started to see, um, my kids were getting to the age of, of using social media. And I was seeing this, this way of connecting that I didn't think would support, um, support our mental health as we move forward. And so, um, fortunately I was introduced to some great people that were in the space and read some books and just started to spend more and more of my time looking, um, at this new, new medicine and, um, and yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's really my why I've gotten into this. And then since I've been in it, I've done, um, some of my own work and really excavated some of my very personal whys as well. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but there you go. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, great job. I know that's really tricky to kind of wrap up a lifetime of journey and inspiration into this. And um, yeah, I really, really appreciate that piece of all of us getting into this work are really driven by the desire to heal, right? And the desire to navigate areas and and try on these different healing modalities, whether it's acupuncture or psychedelics or massage therapy or, you know, all of these, right, are, are just beautiful options to help us tune in in a different way and heal in different layers, which is, yeah, so beautiful. Um, so you mentioned about mental health, and I think that's I think that's such a, a conversation that I don't have enough of on the podcast. And I know like when we're talking about work with psychedelics, which we're going to get into hopefully talking a little bit more specifically about ketamine and the work you're doing at your clinic with ketamine. Um, but in general, this mental health epidemic that our world is, is struggling with. I mean, this unprecedented highs of depression and suicide and anxiety and just all the things that we're riddled with. Um, I'm curious, I guess, from your lens and what you've learned and studied and the people that you've worked with, why do you think that is? I know you kind of mentioned social media already. Um, you know, why do you think a lot of these uh, these mental health issues are on the rise? And and what are some things that um, that you often talk to or that you would recommend to help us you know, essentially reverse that possibly and and maybe even get ahead of it, right, in terms of preventative mental health. I know that's something that I'm really passionate about is making sure that I'm looking after myself, especially when the world is in such disarray, you know, the things that we can do to hopefully lay a healthy foundation to not get sucked into maybe some of these really dark places. Right. So um, I think there's a there's sort of three parts to that question. And I'll start with with the, you know, why are we seeing this rise in mental health? Um, and I think that, I mean, it's, it's a societal thing um, as much as it, and, and, you know, something that I think is, is a factor is we've seen something like volunteering um, half every 10 years since the 1950s. So you're seeing less involvement in community. Um, and that's continued to happen as we really move and move into sort of the peak of, of consumer society, which means you need to have everybody focused on, on making uh, income in order to uh, feel happy because happiness uh, can only be bought. Mm. Um, and so as we really sort of live that, 
that way, it's totally, it's totally not possible, right? There's, you never, there, there's never enough um, to really fill a hole that's created by not connecting with, with yourself, not connecting um, with, with your community. And furthermore, not connecting with, with spirit or the universe or the understanding of one's place uh, or the meaning. And so I think that that's really been accelerated in the last 20 years. And that's what's led to, to this collapse in, in, our, in our mental health um, at, at, as society is in a whole. And then, and then we see something like we were heading and trending in that direction. And we then have, um, you know, in, in a lot of parts of the world over the last four years where we had this mandatory isolation. Um, and, and that really, I think, was kind of the nail in the coffin, so to speak, um, for, for a trajectory that we already were on. Um, but it's quite, it's quite amazing that at the same time as that happens, we see this thing called the, you know, the psychedelic renaissance come at the same time as this demand for something that's going to support connection um, and community comes online. So, so the, and then the, the, the next part of your question, I think, was, a, was around, like, what, what do you do? Um, and so for me... Um, and, and that preventative mental health side, for me, it's, it's really, uh, it's about breaking life down into, into rhythms. And, um, you know, somebody who did it really well was Jamie Wheel and, and Michael Coulter in their book, Stealing Fire, and talking about that calendar um, that, uh, that you can create for, for creating flow states is, is what they, what was the purpose of the calendar, but, but it can also be just for, for, supporting mental health and they you know in that calendar they they spoke about having sort of an an annual not a pilgrimage but sort of an annual thing that you do maybe for a few days at a time and then a quarterly um one day and then a monthly you know half day and a and a weekly weekly practice you do and a daily practice and when i first read that book i i was like, oh my gosh, I can't fit more stuff in. You know, I had I had two kids and a business and I was like, I read it and I'm like, I can't like drop everything and go to Burning Man and I can't, you know, do this thing and this thing. I just, I wasn't able to to feel like it fit in. And then I, I had recommended the book to other people and then reread it. And when I reread it, I came from a place of, of you already have everything you need. Mm-hmm. And so... I looked at it that way and I went, oh, I go up and for a month every summer, I go back to where I'm from and I visit my family and I go swimming on the lake and see my friends. Well, why doesn't that become my, my annual you know, trip that I do? And then I have a, a men's cooking club that I started or with, with some five other friends 16 years ago. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's my quarterly thing. And, and then... I, I, I just, I reframed the things that I was already doing and changed the value of them. And that changing of value allowed me to feel rather than I was taking away from time when I was working or taking away from time from my kids, which was where I wanted and felt the most important time was spent. It allowed me to, to 
to create value for that time doing these things and to feel not feel the sort of the shame or the guilt of leaving those things to go do something for myself. I was like, oh no, this is this is part of my mental health plan. And um and so I mean now I have a you know a morning practice I do for for a half an hour and I have you know weekly cold plunges and and mountain biking and and snowboarding and and these activities. And so I think it's just for me the 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 lesson there is to to you know, allow yourself to look at what you're already doing and has already worked and reframe it and revalue it so that it, so that the intention there is to look after your mental health and there's an ease of doing it because it's not about starting something new and it's not about drastic changes. It's not about the big fad new thing, which we see get people on the yo-yo, um, you know, where they're trying and failing and trying and failing. Um, so, yeah. 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 That's powerful. I love that. I hear some really common themes that I can very much resonate, right? Like being in nature connection, like all those things that you're talking about, right? That you have your men's cooking club, you had your trip to go visit your family, like all of that is, you know, I really resonate with that, you know, that message. I want to bring that out for everybody listening that this is, this is a major part of what's going on with the, the decline in our mental health. And if we don't really take it seriously, it can quickly, you know, overtake us, right? And kind of suck us down in that hole. So I love this conversation around like being preventative. And even if some of you listening are not struggling yet with your mental health, like we live in a world that is really driving us in that direction. So, you know, starting now with building some of these or re, like you're saying, Kim, like rewiring choosing to look at those a different way. Um, some of the activities that you're already doing for, for self-care or connection time, like maybe you already have a meditation practice. So you already go out for a walk in nature, you know, a couple times a week and, and making those part of, um, yeah, that, that, that plan for intentionally supporting your mental health, which is, yeah, so incredible. So I, I know you talked a little bit about your amazing clinic, but I want to, before we actually get into talking a little bit more about ketamine, which I'm really excited to pick your brain on and learn myself because it's something I haven't experienced, um, would love to hear more about G Integrated Health and in, in like the services that you offer. Um, I've looked obviously on your website. I haven't had the the beauty yet of coming to your space, but I hope to when I come to Vancouver next. I want to come check it out because it's beautiful. Like you've done such an incredible job of not making it feel like some sort of sterile hospital, right? <laughs> and actually being the space where people can come and heal. Um, and I know, like you mentioned earlier, that I think is a really key part, and I want to really celebrate that in you is that a lot of um, you know, collective health clinics or spaces do kind of set up the the system to be a little bit competitive, right? And to be a little bit, you know, well, this acupuncturist is is you know fighting for clients over the massage therapist, or you know, trying to get get theirs, right, to pay the bills and all that. And I think it's so beautiful what you've done in actually bringing together more of a collaboration focus and understanding that it's not one modality better for someone else, but it's this like cohesive, synergistic, like beautiful flow of maybe right now somebody is really being supported with acupuncture and in a couple months, they're really going to need something else, right? And they can just kind of weave through this, this community that you've created. So yeah, just curious if you speak more uh, just a little bit to like what that looks like and, and um, how you found that working 
and what sort of um, modalities are you integrating? Because I think there's there's a long list of things that you now offer and have practitioners and and people on the team being able to to bring forward. Yeah, I mean, we we have our average patient sees four point three different practitioners in a wow. in in their time at G and um and that's that's not a form that's filled out it's not um it's self-directed uh in terms of the patient has to you know has to be engaged with the practitioner but the practitioners are knowing each other and and looking out for that for that practitioner so we sort of we track how well it works um but we don't have like a tracking system we don't have it so that like you know every 10th patient goes to this person and this person. It's never about that. It's what is the patient looking for? Um, and then it's about training your, your, uh, our front desk team, which we call our patient services team to be able to ask great questions, um, to find the best fit, um, for that patient to start. Um, and, and I mean, I think you sort of asked what type of practitioners we have. Uh, let me see, I'll go over the list here. We have, naturopaths, chiropractors, massage therapists, physiotherapists, counselors, acupuncture, Pilates, breath work. Oh, we have uh, MDs, psych, nurses. Um, what else do we do? We do some sound meditations as well, uh, some yoga therapy, IV therapies, uh, PRP, um, yeah, ketamine therapies, ultrasound, like oh, a whole bunch of things. We're, we're a very large and very diverse team of, of people working together. Yeah. Wow. That's just incredible. It's almost like I get this, this sense, right? Like this is one-stop shop for like, I'm, I'm struggling with some things, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And here's this, like this, this team that's ready to, to receive me and, and, and navigate me through sort of my healing journey. I think that's like such a gift. You're missing a sugar, sugar addiction coach, by the way, on that team. Uh, so you're we're gonna... absolutely right. I think that's, um, I think that's a really good point. And I think it really comes up right now as we are seeing people drinking less and less, uh, for their health. Um, yeah. and it, you know, drinking is really a great way to get in lots of sugar, um, yeah. and so I think as we see people drinking less, we're going to see, uh, sugar cravings and sugar use go up. Yeah. Um, so I think you're, you're right on the mark there with, uh, with supporting people to, to look at sugar and, and their relationship with sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I know we had some, some really great conversations in person about that too. And, um, we had this food, it's not even just sugar, it's food, right. And with anything, any, any substance, whether it's alcohol or like those coping addictive coping mechanisms still exist, right. We may take away the alcohol crutch and now we're over here, you know, shopping and looking at porn and eating a bunch of sugar, right. Like it's just mm -hmm. going to re recalibrate if we don't actually do that deeper work. So there's, yeah, there's such a, a powerful need for this, like this, this deep, understanding around addiction, whether it's food or alcohol or, or different pieces. So I'm excited to, to hear that you're thinking about bringing that in. And definitely we can keep chatting about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know that yeah, I don't live in Vancouver, but we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> it seems to me that you'd be good virtually, I, I would think. 
I am. I'm used to it. I've been working virtually for like eight years now with my clients. So it's, it's an easy one for me. I host workshops virtually. All my programs are virtual. So it's, yeah, it's my, and not that I love it. I love in person, um, of course, and need, we need more of that. It's a different level of connection, as you talked about earlier, right, to be in person. Um, okay, so I want to switch gears because I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about this. We've kind of been dancing around this conversation of ketamine. And this is one of the things that I really wanted to um, have you share a little bit about because it's not something that I can personally speak to. I have not ever uh, experienced a ketamine journey, but I do know that this is an area that is growing, especially in terms of research um, and is is um, is something that you guys offer in different moda- in different ways at your clinic. So I'm wondering if you can share with my audience, this might be a completely new conversation for them. So maybe starting with like, what is ketamine um, and what are you noticing that it can uh, possibly help people with? Okay. So ketamine um, is a is a drug that was discovered, what was it, in the 1950s, 1960s. So it's been used for a long, long time. And it was, from my understanding, it was developed um, really to support soldiers. Uh, at uh, Before that time, soldiers were equipped with um, opiate uh, medications that they carried on them. So if they came across uh, somebody who had a serious injury, um, they could help alleviate pain. And that allows for people to be transported more easily and helped more easily if you can help manage the pain. Um, The problem with opiate medications is that it suppresses um, or interferes with the the breathing apparatus or uh, in your body. So you you don't get the message to continue to breathe. And so you die when you take um, opiates and, and get the dosing wrong. And when you're in the field, dosing isn't always, you know, going to be accurate. So they developed um, ketamine um, because it worked very well as a, as a pain medication and could be used in the field. And it had a higher dosing tolerance um, and it didn't have a, any impact on the uh, respiratory uh, system. So heart, lungs all uh, continue to work well uh, and predictably while you're, while you're under the influence. So that's what it was developed for. It's a dissociative anesthetic. Um, so dissociative meaning that uh, you have this sense of disconnecting um, from your physical body. Mm. Uh, and, and then returning, at, you know, after, after the experience. Um, so again, w- that works very well um, as an anesthetic. And so it's been used for, for over 50 years and it's used a lot with children actually. Um, and because it's, it, because it's has a very safe use case. And as time went on, um, doctors started to notice that people who had, you know, come in for knee pain or some sort of um, procedure that, that ketamine was used for, they would report back that their you know, depression was less or their anxiety was less. And so as this sort of anecdotal evidence started to come up, they started, they thought, well, this warrants a little bit more research. Um, and it was about 10 years ago that you started to see ketamine being used uh, in an IV uh, for refractory depression in emergency rooms. So somebody coming in, uh, or sorry, for suicidal ideation. 
Um, so you see somebody coming into the emergency ward who's, you know, determined to, uh, to end their life and you can give them ketamine and, um, you know, set them up, give them some ketamine out of a drip. And then an hour later, unplug them and send them out. And they don't have any suicidal ideation for a week. So they're like, wow, this, it actually works incredibly powerfully for very, very severe. Um, so as that, as we, as that started to be researched and looked into, um, the, the use case was, well, perhaps it doesn't need to be quite so severe and perhaps it doesn't need to be, you know, quite the, that way of delivering this medicine. You know, perhaps it can be depression or anxiety and it can be delivered in a clinic as opposed to in an ER. Um, I don't know what, you know, what people's experiences are with ERs, but typically they're, they're fairly fast paced. Um, and there's, it's like a high stakes sort of place to, to be healing. Um, they're not, they're not really designed for healing. They're designed to keep people alive and find the best route for them to heal. Um, so if we take this type of medicine that has this type of uh, effect and we can put it into, uh, an outpatient, um, setting such as a clinic, and you can build then a program around it, uh, which is what, what we've done and many others have done, where, where you're supporting somebody to know that they're going to go into a big experience. I mean, the ketamine experience, as I explained before, this dissociative experience is a big experience, and it is fairly predictable in that people will have, have an experience. So if people are knowing they're going to have an experience, we can start them off saying, you know, what do you want this experience to be? What, mm. you know, what past um, situations or personal experiences do you have that, that are still plaguing you, that are still coming up um, and that maybe you don't have a full understanding. Maybe you haven't fully grieved something. Maybe you haven't fully understood um, the why of it. And if you can work with a therapist in preparing for this big experience, then you can have um, a ketamine experience and per have insights um, that you glean from this experience. And then you work with your team afterwards, your therapeutic team afterwards, to really understand what those insights mean and how they can apply uh, into your day-to-day -day life, which we call integration. Um, afterwards, but the difference between ketamine, so now we have to, so that's sort of the medicine, um, journey, but there's a dosing thing too, that's very different between the anesthetic dose and, and the psycholytic dose, um, right. which is the anesthetic dose is about five times higher. Um, and with that sort of anesthetic dose, the idea is, is that you sort of dissociate you're entirely gone and then you come back to your body and you're like whoa okay that that's over and now i'm back that doesn't really work um for for therapy what we want with therapy is the do the do dosage to be low enough that there still is consciousness um and so you have this feeling of disconnecting from from your body but your consciousness still exists, which allows you to then process these things that you're intending to work on. And so 
So you, you leave the body and the worries of the body. And then you have, you're in this space where you're getting to process whatever your intentions are. And it's, it's not, I, I, I say this and it makes it sound quite linear, but it's really not that way. You can go into a space and, and, you know, see things or feel things and not be able to make sense of it. It may not, it may not be directly tied to it. And this is the work of, of your therapeutic team um, and the work of yourself to explore that a bit more. Oh, what, what, what did that mean? You know, perhaps it meant this. Oh, that feels this way. Ah, okay. And then you take that process um, or you take that experience and turn that into, uh, you know, a change in your life. Yeah. Um, and with, with our program and with all medicine programs, really, there's sort of three different, different um, outcomes that we have with patients. Uh, we'll have uh, the, the first group will have a life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I had this experience. I understand what it means. I am a different person today. That's amazing. Yep. It's not, that's not the largest group. The largest group is the middle group and the middle group has insights that they need to make sense of and they understand that change can happen. And so they're, they're inspired and they see the opportunity for change, but they need to do some work and they need to, you know, they need to be involved, but they've, they've, there's been a shift. The perspective has changed and they've turned something where like, I hope I can, I hope something works out for me to being like, ah, now I see there's an opportunity for something to change, which is a big shift, but it's not the like everything's figured out and transformative experience. And then there's another group, which is also a small group. And that group says, hmm, I don't think, I don't think there was anything there. Didn't, it didn't really, nope. And, and so that they come out with, with, you know, sort of a non-effect. Um, and that's a small group as well. And really the, the work of, of a therapeutic team is to set people up to, you know, if, if that's a spectrum of no effect and, and life-changing and, you know, opportunity in the middle, we're working to move people this way on that spectrum. And, um, and that's why you want to work with, with a skilled therapist team. And I think you probably have spoken to this, but it's very common um, in the psychedelic space um, to, you know, get really excited and to try and find somebody. And, uh, and it's big medicine. And this medicine mm-hmm. isn't inherently positive. There's a lot of sort of belief that, well, psychedelics are amazing and they're going to make everything better. Um, they're nonspecific amplifiers which means they take whatever's going on in your consciousness and they amplify it. And you don't always get to choose what they amplify. And sometimes those things aren't pleasant. And so that's for me why the having a therapeutic container uh, for this is so, so important Um, because it can be disruptive. They're powerful medicines, powerful can be good and powerful can be less than good. Yeah. And so, um, you know, really meeting your team, 
um, talking with people, having a conversation, taking your time um, is super duper important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I'm learning. I love this. I'm learning more about ketamine, something I don't know a lot about. And I'm really curious to, yeah, to, to hear more. And I, I really appreciate that piece. Obviously, yes, echoing this, I've shared this in previous episodes that like who you work with and having support is so important. It is night and day. And this is where I think a lot of this work uh, with psychedelics gets such a bad rap. People complaining about bad trips, right? Not being supported, not paying attention to set setting um, and their guide and their support. I know for me, um, coming out of, you know, I've done most of my work with psilocybin out of those journeys. Like I, there's most times I have no idea what just happened. And if I didn't have my therapist to to help me integrate that and um, the people in my life that I have in sort of my support team, like I would have been left really ungrounded and uncertain and confused. And um, it can be destabilizing, right? And especially for the nervous system, let alone like our conscious mind trying to make sense of something that's outworldly that's not even in our existence and all these pieces can sometimes be really tricky. And so I'm, I'm echoing that for you and, you know, so important because I know a lot, there is, there are a lot of people who want to navigate into this work and think, you know, why can't I just do it on my own or, um, you know, just kind of, and you can, of course, um, but there's, there's a lot of risks, as you said, too, with even maybe overdosing or, um, um, you know, just having these sort of uh, disassociative and difficult experiences without having support, right? And for a lot of us, that's where trauma actually existed in the first place, was going through difficult experiences and not having support, right? Being alone in our challenges and being alone in those places. So how can we make sure to not repattern that and actually use this as a as a really powerful tool? Um, and that's really, really neat to learn about. And I'd, I'd known this piece already, but I, I love that history lesson of why ketamine was developed and understanding that this is an actual pain medication. I think they still use it in hospitals. I, I think oh, sometimes yeah. even for pregnancy, like for birth and in different areas. So in that realm then, like, is it technically legal? Like I know a lot of people have that conception as well of psychedelics are all illegal drugs, right? Um, but is ketamine one, like where's, where's that at least now in Canada? Um, is it legal? Is it illegal? Like how are you guys navigating to create a space, um, you know, above ground in this way? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. So yes, it is legal. Um, but the way that it works in Canada is the, the college of physicians and surgeons in each province determines how medicines can be used. And so it was in, uh, what was it? 20, 2021, I think, um, that the BC college, which is where we're located, um, determined that um, ketamine could be used, uh, to treat, uh, a variety of mental health conditions in an outpatient setting. So that's what really opened up the door for us to, um, do this medicine, uh, in a legal, uh, manner, which is, which is where, where we operate. Um, and the reason that we operate in the above ground legal matter is because, um, it allows for uh, safe access um, mm -hmm. and not everybody um, feels comfortable or confident um, to go and seek uh, these types of transformative experiences in the underground or by, you know, people that may not have um, the same oversight that is offered uh, by the above ground where there's, you know, colleges that determine and are able to discipline therapists that, you know, may not conduct themselves appropriately. Um, 
And so we felt it was very important for us to exist in the, in the above ground um, to make, you know, an easier access point for the majority of, of people that feel more confident um, working within the healthcare system. Yeah. 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 No, that's fantastic. Um, and I know we talked a lot about, a lot of people talked about this at the conference, right? Like that we need both, like there's a, there's a beautiful underground network. And then we also need, obviously very deeply need the, this above ground, the more legal route. Um, and everybody's kind of, kind of navigate their way into this work in in whichever way, right. Feels right. And ultimately helps them feel the safest, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's ultimately what we're trying to create here. Um, I love, yeah, what you're creating in the safe space and the, the, obviously the program is so intentionally set up with your pre-sessions, the journey, the integration sessions, which we both know is the most important part of any journey and, and onward. So I'm curious if you can speak more to, I know you've mentioned a little bit, but for my listeners, uh, probably very curious about a little bit more about what an actual experience feels like. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What do people report back? Like you mentioned, sometimes there's visualizations. Um, and then maybe also like, how long does it usually last? You know, is it a nine, 10 hour day? Is it a 30 minute session? Like how, how do those sort of yeah, just speak a little bit more to like the logistics for people like me that love kind of those details before I go into a medicine journey. Like what yeah. exactly is it going to look like? I know we don't know, but yeah. Well, I mean, we have four different programs that we offer at Chi and um, I can quickly list those off. We have yeah. our um, meditation program, um, which has a preparation, a, a journey or a sit day, and then an integration um, we have our comprehensive program. Our comprehensive program um, is over six weeks. It has three uh, sits and 11 preparation and integration sessions that are sprinkled throughout six weeks. Um, then we have our um, individual uh, program, and that individual program is catered to what the individual's needs are. If they need more prep or they need more integration or they, yeah. you know, want to have more sits, all of those things uh, can be uh, more easily navigated because they're done in individual. Sorry, the, the first two that I spoke of are done in groups. Okay. Um, and then we have our last one, which is our health helping heroes program, um, which is uh, exclusive just to um, first responders. Um, and so we're working um, with the police department um, to, to help um, those folks out. Um, and that program is, is tailored just to them. But if we're to take sort of the kernel of, of uh, our program, you know, they, they all start with an information call. Then they have a, a meeting um, with a counselor, a filling out of an extensive intake form, um, a review of that form, a meeting with our doctor. Uh, then when you're in the group, there would be a preparation that's done in group. Um, and then they, then you move on the sit day to coming in in the group, which would be eight in your prep and integration, um, would be divided into a morning and an afternoon. So we have four, four people that, uh, participants that are in the group sit together. Mm. Um, and we, we ask our participants to book four hours, uh, for, for those okay. sit days. Um, and I know that's a lot more than you, you we see at other, um, 
clinics that are doing ketamine. I mean, we've seen people. It's a lot doing... less than a psilocybin or an LSD journey. So it, it's like that's true. half time. I'm <laughs> saving that's time. Yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah, about how you look at it, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we see a lot of ketamine clinics that are offering it an hour and a half, two hours. Wow. Um, okay. Which, which is not how we do it. Um, yeah. Because when you know that you're going to have a big experience, um, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to overcome to get into yeah. the proper space to do that. Yeah. And so we've we have carefully crafted, you know, the arrival. Uh, of the patient coming into the room, um, you know, intention setting, setting up uh, a space. Maybe you have some important um, people that you brought photos of, or maybe you know, maybe there's something of, of deep value uh, that you're that you're caring from a loved one um, that you want to have there, and sharing that with the room and um, having 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 the time and space to really drop in to the importance and all of the effort that it took you to get to that time yep. um, sets you up. And, and this is all part of that, that you know, set and setting, um, which I'm not sure if you've gone over here, but set and setting is really, um, you know, the mindset that you have and then what is the environment or the setting that you're going to be doing this medicine in. So that's all very skillfully held by our facilitator team. And so there's almost an hour of that that happens in the room um, before the medicine. Um, and then the medicine is, is delivered by uh, intramuscular injection. Um, and the reason we do that, I spoke earlier about IVs that happen um, in hospital. Uh, there's also, uh, to sort of talk about the different delivery systems, Yeah, there's the IV, which happens in hospital, we use IM, our intramuscular. There's also a lozenge that can be used, or there's intranasal, um, which there's some proprietary uh, um, delivery systems uh, for, for ketamine. But we, we use IM. And the reason that we use IM is because of the precise dosing um, and the, the consistency of the arc. Um, because people can have different ways of taking on medicine with all medicines. You know, some people have bigger reactions uh, or so I should say responses and some people have longer ones. And, and, and so there can be quite a variance. Um, whereas I am for the most part is, is the most consistent. Um, yeah. And so what that allows us to do is, is we have a, you know, we have individuals have headsets that they'll wear and eye masks and, and then they go into the journey and, and we have a, a very curated uh, playlist that allows and sort of guides people on the journey. And so if you have a consistent um, sort of arc of the journey, you can then really have a powerful experience um, working yeah. with, with the tools that we have. Um, and then you come out, of, come out of the journey and it can be, I mean, we like to say an hour and a half, um, but... We also do this thing, which is called surfing the shallows. And so what that is, is people can come and become aware that they're back in the room, maybe as early as 45 minutes. And what we want to do is encourage people rather than coming out with your insights, because it can be pretty exciting. I'm back and I had this experience and wow, 
I need to talk about it, do something. And, and we want people to, to come out and then go back in again, come out and go back in again. And sort of, if it's a big experience, I'm going to try and use my hands here. If it's a big experience and then you come out and then if you go back in, we want you to go in and then come out a little higher and, and you sort of create this, this wave that starts to settle by the end. And it's almost like you're really setting up that integration process. So to go in, have view the experience again, and then come back out and you're like, Oh yeah, that means more. Okay. Go back in. And it means this. It means you you start that integration process right there. Um, And, and so then, then you leave, or then we serve a really nice snack. We have a really nice snack because, um, you're going to want to go into a ketamine session on an empty stomach, which means you might be hungry when you come out, but you might not feel hungry because you, you're feeling all of these feelings. So we like to just sort of reintroduce the sense of, of, yeah. um, of smell and taste to help bring people back to their physical body. And then, um, and then you're signed out. We, we, nobody drives home. Um, and we recommend that people have a, have a place to go that might not be right back into their day-to-day life. It might not mm-hmm. be going home and looking after the kids, or it might not be like, you know, opening their laptop and getting on those emails that they've gone behind on. Um, so really, you know, looking at your information diet, both leading up to it and, and immediately following, like what kind of information am I going to be consuming? Um, because you're, you've created a space to really look at how you're thinking yeah. and how you're feeling. And so being very mindful of, of, of allowing space for you to understand that and to make sense and meaning of it. So if you can, you know, if you have a friend and you can stay over at their place and they're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to make you a really nice meal. And, you know, we can, you can journal a little and play nice music and it'll just be sort of a nice place for you to land. That's really um, a nice way to do the process. So we recommend then that. And then the next day you come back for integration um, and, and that's done. And that's sort of, that's sort of the kernel of, of what we offer and then a yeah. follow-up call as well. Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for walking us through that. That's, that's so powerful. And it sounds obviously no doubt you've put a lot of thought and intention into how you can really best support people in this, this really deep work. Um, so I have so many more questions for you, but I'm keeping an eye on the time here. I want to be really respectful of your time. So the last thing that I do want to ask you, because now there may be people listening to this that are curious, that are like, well, how do I possibly do one of these journeys? Or how do I possibly find, uh, you know, this and access this? You know, I know my audience is is international, not all in Vancouver. Obviously, if you're in BC or able to travel, um, definitely go and check out uh, Keem Center in Vancouver. But how would people uh, access these journeys, you know, either even in your clinic, because I know, I think we talked a little bit about this um, in person at the conference in like, not everyone can just come in and and do a journey, right? There's some lead up and some sort of criteria and boxes to check before being, you know, admitted in to one of these experiences. Um, And then if you know anything about, you know, maybe the the state of affairs with this in in the United States, I don't know if you do, I just know a lot of my listeners are there. Um, So yeah, just opening that, like, how do people actually access this? And are there certain types of people or certain, um, yeah, certain processes to go through? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're in Vancouver, if you want to come to Vancouver, uh, 
our clinic is called Qi, which is QI yep. and Qi Integrated Health. And we have information nights that we do on Tuesday nights. Um, we also have info calls um, that are at no cost if you want to call and, and set, set up a call and talk to um, someone on our team um, about what our program offers um, and if it's right for you. Um, and then if you, if you can't make it to Vancouver, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ketamine clinics that have popped up, um, all over the States. Uh, I'm not familiar with which States those are and aren't. Um, but, uh, you know, really what I would do if I was, you know, looking for, for something like this is, I would look at, at what the wraparound um, for this medicine is because, uh, you know, something that's been shared with me is like it's only, you know, it's only 30% is the medicine and the other 70% is the integration preparation and what, what do you do with it? Um, and so, you know, look at these clinics and have conversations uh, and look at their programs and see, see what's involved. Um, see how long they say for a sit. If they're telling you that it's an hour, you know, we have a special ketamine and it only takes an hour and a half. Um, then they're really just coming in. You're, you're coming in, they're giving you a drug and then you're leaving as soon as, as soon as it's over. Um, and so there's very, there's very little time in there for, for that. Um, so, oh, excuse me. Yeah. No worries. Um, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And obviously, uh, especially with this above ground, you know, an invitation for everyone to just Google. I mean, we can, yeah. we can, a lot of this, like, you know, your clinic is, is publicly online. So anyone listening in whatever state or country you live in, just start searching around, you know, if this is something yeah. that you feel called to and each clinic, obviously as your sharing team will have a different approach and different uh, style. And hopefully on their website, we'll also have different criteria of how you can access and, um, you know, maybe be, be accepted into, into these, these places. So yeah, there's the, this is, this is not going anywhere, this, this movement and this work. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so deeply grateful for you coming on and sharing today, Keem. There's a million more questions that I could ask you, but I want to, you know, be respectful of our listeners' time and, of course, of your time and um, just invite if there's any final pieces that you feel uh, need to be said or that you want to share, you know, around, around this conversation. Yeah, I think for me it really is, is, I mean, there's, I'm just really grateful to, to my teachers, um, I, I'm grateful to the team at Roots to Thrive. Um, I'm really grateful to um, Mark Hayden, who wrote the book, uh, The Manual of Psychedelic Therapy, um, who's my uh, clinical supervisor, um, Pam Crisco, who's our medical director, um, and our, our whole facilitator team. Um, changing how we look and how we treat uh, mental health, um, I think has never been more important. Mm -hmm. And um, the team that, 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 uh, that we have and the community that we have, there's other clinics um, that are, that are doing great work as well. Um, but the community that we have, I just am, I'm so, I just want to express my gratitude uh, for, for all of them. Um, it's never been more needed. Um, and the, the consequences are really high uh, for mental health. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 life threatening, um, and it can be it can be really really hard to navigate as a family and as a community. Um, and uh, and 
that's really our inspiration and what keeps us keeps us going in this in this important work. Yeah. And I and I'm really grateful to you for the opportunity to come on here today. Yes. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Kim. It's it was an honor. It was a no-brainer. I was like, oh, I need to get him on the show and yeah. um, not disappointed at all. This has been a fantastic conversation and uh, I've definitely learned a lot. I'm very curious about this myself and there's so much to explore, so many medicines to try, so many things to sort of navigate into. And I feel like I'm just getting started as I know many of my audience members as well. This might be just a seed planted for you to um, start doing your own research, start doing your own, you know, navigating depending on where you live in the world. Um, and of course, if you're ever in Vancouver, go visit Keem. I know I will be, I think I'm going to be there at the end of January. So I'll try, oh, to, try to plan a, a time to swing by. And uh, we'll be in touch about that. And um, yeah, just again, the huge thank you for coming on and sharing. I know that you're very busy and taking the time to to speak about this and help me even bring this conversation more to the podcast. Just feels really um, feels really exciting. So thanks, Keem. Well, thank you. Keep up the good work. Yes, you too. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into another episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning into another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe leave a review and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.